Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew, and tonight I'd like to welcome journalist, filmmaker, founder and CEO of Project Camelot and Camelot TV, and a huge influence for me, Carrie Cassidy. How you doing tonight, Carrie? I'm good. I'm, I'm real good. Thanks. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time. Like I said, you were a huge influence for me. I mean, just the topics you cover, no one would else dare to cover. The guests you were having were amazing. Um, I mean, it was just a huge influence on getting me started doing what I'm doing right now. So I'd like to start with a little bit about your background and what got you started on your path. Okay, well, uh, obviously I'm an investigative reporter, documentary filmmaker, and I have been doing this now for 14 years. Um, you know, on a 24-7 basis. Uh, I got started because I was working in Hollywood for about 20 years. Then I became a consultant to JPL, and I was um, writing screenplays and uh, sh trying to shop them around Hollywood, and I basically got very frustrated because I didn't have uh, the necessary track record to be able to get a project off the ground as a producer. So I decided to pick up a consumer grade camcorder and make my own UFO documentary. Um, in the process, I came across Bill Ryan, who became my partner in Camelot eventually. But I did a couple of interviews and then I interviewed him. And that interview went very well. We hit it off, uh, went to dinner afterwards. And then we agreed to meet later um, and, and stay in touch. At, uh, and we eventually met up in Tintagel in England, the home of King Arthur. And that was because Bill had offered to show me um, the power places in England. And Tintagel is one of them. So when we went to Tintagel, I had some very heavy past life recall. And I basically uh, started having recall of the time of Arthur and uh, it was very powerful and basically uh, Bill Ryan and I had a very strong connection at that point so we we said you know what should we do with this connection and we decided to start a project because we both uh, were all about disclosure we wanted the truth to come out about what's really going on on the planet and the ET reality and Bill had been a spokesperson and a webmaster for the serpo.org project. Um, and many people would know Serpo was all about an alien human exchange program. It was a release of information from the DIA. Uh, a lot of it was disinfo, but there, were truth, there was truth there. There have been, um, from what I understand it, maybe even six and maybe countless human alien exchange programs since that time. And so he was, uh, he, he was somebody who had volunteered to organize some material that was coming out from this individual called Anonymous. And so I interviewed him, and that's how we met up. And I guess the rest, they say, is history. We stayed together working uh, for about a little less than three years, really. And then towards the end of the third year, started to have very strong differences of opinion and go in different directions. Uh, so one would say creative dif differences. And, uh, and so he went on his own and worked on Project Avalon, which is a, a well-known forum. And, uh, and I went on to head up uh, Project Camelot on my own. 
So I've been on my own for 11 years now, and uh, we've been, in, you know, ex very ex successful. And I have, let's see, I don't know, last time I think I saw 223,000 um, subscribers and 61 uh, million view viewers worldwide. Wow, that's great. Now, you know, for everything that's going on, you kind of realized at a very early age that we had a hidden world behind our world. Isn't that right? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, there are many layers to reality. Uh, you know, we are multidimensional beings as far as I'm concerned. So, um, but as a kid, I was always aware of that too. Now, you have also had some abduction experiences. Is that correct? Yes, I was abducted as a kid. Um, I had a repeated uh, nightmare in which I would hear a loud buzzing sound and I would be going out my front door to what appeared to be um, down a path that didn't really exist in front of my, my house at the time. But nonetheless, I would see like this kind of garden path and then I would see a white picket fence. And the closer I got to the white picket fence and the gate, on the other side there was a... Um, you might even say that was a man in black. It was a man with a, a black uh, overcoat and top hat, and I would become very frightened, and um, then I would wake up. So that was a recurring nightmare, and I also had, I, I was aware of, um, I was an intuitive since I was a young kid and quite um, a sensitive and so I was aware that there were other beings and other dimensions and I would see, be aware of ghosts and, and that kind of thing. And I was also, um, I had uh, even, I mean, this continued uh, as I grew up and in, uh, in college uh, and after college, I was uh, aware that I was being abducted. Now, you may have been a part of some MyLab abductions or military abductions. Is that, is that right? Yes. And the reason I, I know that now, which I didn't know uh, initially when I started Camelot, uh, really, I, I knew I'd been abducted. I knew I had dealings with aliens. Um, in fact, I knew that even, you know, at, remembered that as I grew up and so on. And, and, and in Hollywood, what I wanted to do in Hollywood was, make um, sci-fi blockbusters like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was my goal uh, at the time. And so when I got into Camelot, it was, I guess you might say, a continuation, only I started coming at it from a, the point of view of a documentary filmmaker and investigative reporter. I did train in journalism in college. So, um, yeah, I, I was uh, I I was abducted, and then I had memories as a child of uh, going to um, Ames Research Lab in Palo Alto on a field trip uh, with my school at a very young age, probably uh, you know ten or eleven or something or twelve. And as we came up to the building, I recognized it, and then when we went inside, I really knew I had seen it before and been there before. And as it happened, uh, that is right near Moffat Field, and and I am the only kid in, in my family of four kids uh, that was uh, born in Moffat Field Hospital, and so that's a military base, and there's an underground base there. And years later, when I interviewed Norm Bergram, he uh, 
he actually kind of conveyed to me that he was aware of the abductees uh, and what was going on with them. And I also have a very strange birthmark on my right shoulder, which I don't show people, but it's there. And I also have an implant on my, in my right arm that is uh, the result of an abduction experience that I had when I was a young kid. And this is quite young, maybe, I don't know, like six or something years old. I was out under a big uh, oak tree in front in our front yard and there were some boys and they were shooting a BB gun. But somehow in the process I had missing time and then I ended up having this uh, sort of round implant that it started in my shoulder and it was there for a long time when I was a little kid and then eventually worked its way down to my lower arm. But it's like a little round ball. You can actually feel it. So uh, I showed it to, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, the famous doctor that uh, took, takes out implants. And he, he wouldn't even deal with it. So I know that he, he actually knew a lot more than he was saying about, um, you know, when he was a doctor. I, he didn't want to touch it, basically. Wow. Now, are you aware of any current uh, abductions or contact, you know, that you were currently experiencing, military or otherwise? Uh, yes, I, I have been ad abducted since then. Um, I know, I mean, just the other night I saw, I believe I saw a gray ET. I don't know if it was a gray. It was a little ET. It's smaller than the conventional grays. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different sizes of ETs. But I, I saw one was in my house. I had been watching this documentary. I'm going to be interviewing the guys who did it. Abduction. And I actually know that there was uh, an ET in my house trying to see maybe my reaction to the documentary. I, I don't really know. Um, I don't get abducted so much as I probably have a lot of ET visitations and I do know that that uh, a couple years ago I had what it might have been, um, you know, I haven't been regressed to find out what happened, but uh, ultimately I had some kind of battle with whoever tried to abduct me and I, the right side of my face ended up getting um, like frozen or something, um, like temporarily paralyzed, um, eventually went away. But um I know that it happened that night and I was in a uh, hotel in Palo Alto near Stanford University. And as it happened, uh, my parents were married in Stanford Chapel and uh, my mother went to Stanford and, um, and I was born in Palo Alto. So it was right where, near where I was born. I was meeting with a secret witness there who was, uh, an interesting individual um, and he had some ties to Nazi Germany as well as the secret space program. So I believe that they were uh, trying to mess with me that same night uh, by a coincidence or not a coincidence. Um, Renz himself was almost killed. Uh, he, his car was pushed off the road or ran off the road um, into a ditch when he had sort of, I guess, a missing time or strange thing happen. He was almost killed. He ended up in the hospital that same night. And um, another individual, Stuart Swerdlow, not Swerdlow, um, Stuart, um, 
gosh, Stu, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his last name. Anyway, um, this other person who's kind of a well-known person on the circuit who I haven't heard from in a long time, so I hope he's okay. Um, he was, he was pushed off the road and, and nearly killed. So there seemed to be some kind of attack going on that night on several journalists, um, several of us. Do you still experience any type of regular attacks? Do I? Yes. Do you, you personally experience? Uh, attacks? Well, other than that, and that was a few years ago, um, I don't, I'm not attacked per se, but I do, I am uh, sort of targeted by uh, what you might call, you know, frequency weapons and all of that. Um, you know, I can tell when they're shooting something at me. Um, and, you know, my partner, uh, we will know when they're shooting stuff at him. And uh, sometimes I can tell, um, I, because I'm a sensitive, I can, I can tell when, um, we're being microwaved and also when harp is being turned on in this, I live in California and, uh, and I can also tell when there's going to be earthquakes. Uh, but at any rate, yes, I have been targeted by scalar weaponry in essence. Uh, but I also have quite a good sort of resilience to be able to withstand it. I know when it's happening, I know kind of what to do and, how to weather it, if you want to say that. I also make sure to have my lifestyle a certain way so that I move um, like out of a place. If, I, if they're targeting my apartment, for example, I'll leave my apartment. I'll go out to, uh, to places where there are lots of people. Um, and I'll also go to, to places of nature, um, which can take away the electronic frequencies and clear your aura. So, um, yes, I, whenever I do a conference, by the way, I, you know, I'm always targeted and the whole conference is targeted and everyone knows it. Um, you know, cause I do this yearly conference in, um, in high Elms Manor in Watford, England, which is, uh, Northern England near London. And, uh, everyone, basically knows we're being targeted and we do certain things to try to lessen the impact and we talk about it as well. So, uh, and every conference, almost every conference I've ever been to, I do get um, ill from the targeting. They do car, you know, they target UFO conferences all the time. Now you've traveled all over the world speaking to, to people, uh, interviewing people. Are there any like particular dangerous situations uh, in a different country that you've come across where you were, you know, terrified, not sure how you were going to get out of that situation? Um, I wouldn't say I've had anything where I've been terrified. Um, you know, a lot of times you don't realize you're in, you're in danger. You find out later that you were in danger. Um, I have had death threats and we have had some incidents that happened to us. Uh, for example, in the early days of Camelot, we had, um, we were in Switzerland and we had driven up a very windy road called Grindelwald uh, up to the top of the Swiss Alps. And um, I, our, our wheel um, just broke and, and fell off. And we had just reached a little parking lot at the very top. Now, if it had fallen off on the road up, which is a very sort of narrow winding road, 
I guess we could have been killed, you know. Um, but somehow we were protected. Uh, later they looked at it and saw that it was a clean break. Uh, we had had the car checked out before we left on the trip to, to because we drove. Um, that's when I was with Bill Ryan and we had driven from England to Switzerland. So uh, it was a very strange occurrence and obviously been tampered with. Um, there have been other incidents, uh, you know, at, in countries. Um, in fact, last year on the Egypt trip, uh, our suitcases disappeared. Um, two of, um, okay, Maria Wheatley and I are the ones that lead the tour in Egypt, and we're going again in, in um, this year in April. But last year in April, uh, we both brought um, male partners, and both of our male partners had their suitcases disappear for three days upon arrival in Egypt. And uh, for some reason, they decided to take their suitcases. We don't know whether what they did with them. Uh, obviously, they searched them. But uh, as far as we know, we don't know that they put any kind of surveillance technology in the suitcases themselves. Um, but they finally showed up after three days. So that was, you know, these are minor annoyances, you might say. Um, and there have been other things uh, where I have gotten warnings about stuff or things that were intentional. We've been followed. Um, and I, you know, have, have evidence of individuals sort of paying undue attention to me and us um, in various situations. So yes, I mean, we, we've had, uh, we're, you know, I'm, and I, I get threats. I mean, it's weird. I get threats fairly, I wouldn't say often, but it's not unusual. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about the world hidden behind our world. Um, do you agree with the, basically the ancient Sumerian mythos of a father and two brothers kind of at odds uh, for control over this planet, mainly saying uh, Enlil, Enki. Um, would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Anunnaki are very instrumental uh, trying to run our government, uh, and I do believe they're operating out of uh, um, Antarctica, but I, I think they are, they're vying for control with other groups. Uh, there's no doubt that the Draco are also uh, trying to control Earth. Now, and do that you the think the Draco are a separate entity from the Anunnaki? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. okay. Um, the Draco are, uh, you know, the Draco are the, the, the most ancient speak species, I believe, even older than the reptilians. The reptilians are... A, a sort of a step down and they in a sense report to the Draco they're afraid of the Draco um, the Draco are from the Draco constellation uh, and so then you also have the reptilians and there's so many different sort of breeds and a variety of, of races so they're also vying for control um, how the Nordics and the, the reptilians were actually both trying to help our secret space program, but that the, the uh, reptilians were also sabotaging it as, as we went along. 
So um, there's, you know, there are wars between these various species. And um, I always recommend to people that the best history of humanity and a history of all the various races and the wars between them is, can be found in the Voyager books by Ashiana Dean. And uh, those are available on the front page of my website, projectcamelot.tv. If you just scroll down on the right-hand side, you can find both books. Um, I'm not sure if they're both available in ebook. I know one of them is definitely an ebook at this point. I think it's Voyager 2. The first Voyager book, um, you may have to get in paperback, but I think it is available. Um, they're both excellent, and they go into far more detail than anything else out there by far. And I think the information is impeccable. It's actually coming from a group of races that are called the guardian races who uh, claim to be, uh, in essence, uh, the ones that genetically engineered this particular humanoid or human vehicle. Um, and there's at least 12 of them that are responsible, uh, that have put their DNA into our genome. Now, do you believe that most or all of these races are interdimensional? Are, are some of them physical extraterrestrial beings or some just inter, uh, interdimensional? Uh, well, some can come into this reality uh, temporarily. The reason for the gray human hybrid program is just that, is because the grays can't stay here long enough in this environment and they prefer a methane, a radiation-filled environment, which is why we're being terraformed at this time, uh, the reptilians and the grays. And grays are a subset of reptilians. They're artificial intelligence uh, that the reptilians have created, but they're also various actual races of grays um, that are, are, there's a huge variety, the Zetas being among them. And they are um, reptilian, you know, they have a lot of reptilian DNA in them. Uh, so, um, I'm sorry, what was the question? I'm not sure if I answered it. No, I was just uh, getting your take on if you think, you know, that there are some that are just physical beings or some... Oh, right. So, they can go interdimensional. So, um, the same thing with reptilians, go interdimensional. Now, some reptilians apparently are here. They're hidden under the ground, so they don't come out to the sunlight mainly, although they do from time to time. Um, and some are interdimensional and going and coming from this dimension. Um, the, there are so many different races kind of in different stages. Um, the, according to Mark Richards, one of my uh, whistleblowers, he says that the raptors who were part of the dinosaurs and you know, the velociraptors that are in the Spielberg movies, you've seen right. them. So that species of reptilian uh, branched off from the regular dinosaurs and left around the extinction, the time of the extinction, the story goes and left this planet uh, and went off and actually got caught in an event horizon going towards the galactic center, I believe, and spent a certain amount of time sort of in a odd sort of um, no man's land, if you will, uh, I guess dimensionally or something. And then they sort of got 
back into this uh, these this dimension or whatever, and they then went and terraformed a, a planet in the Draco constellation and took it over. They became the enemies of the Draco and uh, and of other reptilians and what's called the reptoids, which are a humanoid uh, reptilian hybrid. And they uh, they have millions of years of history and they evolved. They kept the same body shape, um, but if, according to Mark Richards, they are now here and they're here in this physical reality. Uh, we don't see them because they do have the ability to wipe people's brains who have seen them so they don't remember. And uh, from what I understand, they move very, very fast and they only show up in certain places. Um, I'm told in uh, sort of the rainforest in South America might be one of the places and England in um, hidden in castles and things like that. They are um, working in conjunction with our secret space program, again, according to Mark Richards, and have become allies of ours, uh, working closest with the Air Force. Very interesting. Now, um, would you say that the Draco is where this Satanism stems from, where the pedophilia and evil stems from? Um, that's a good possibility. I, certainly the reptilians are like that as well, you know, so it's, it's come into the human genome, you must understand, because um, we have a, the reptilian, what we call the reptilian part of our brain, right? Right. So a certain amount of DNA from the reptilians, you know, I talked about those 12 races that contributed to this, this human form. Yes. And I believe that one of those races uh, in this seeding of humanity uh, was responsible for the, the, you know, generation of the reptilian brain. The idea is uh, that in the other seedings of humanities, humanity there were we're like i think we're called the third seeding of humanity and that's evolved through a cert for a certain number of years which might be you know it's much longer than they say so they would say it's like two hundred thousand, but it's a lot more than that anyway um what happened was the first seedings of humanity wouldn't defend themselves they were too uh placid and peaceful and uh, so they needed to make humanity defend itself and able to fight and have an aggressive, you know, part of their genome. So this is where the reptilian brain got um, kind of put it into the species. And that is where it's coming from. So that's also the part of what has happened is that we have various uh, races on this planet and we are all a mixture of a lot of, of these 12 races. Plus we've been invaded by a number of other species who have also been genetically trying to engineer us along with the greys and so on and the mantids and various other races. So they've contributed their DNA to the mix. So it's, it's this in, huge melting pot of, of various races but what happened was the Illuminati, what we know of as the Illuminati or the, the sort of leaders, um, you know, by ch self-chosen, uh, you know, power base on the planet, the humanoid side, has a very large amount of reptilian DNA because it's all about their, their society is a top-down, 
hierarchical society. So those individuals are all about having power over others as opposed to, um, you know, wanting to work together and be cooperative. So that's where that, that's why the Illuminati and the people that end up in the Illuminati and, and sort of in certain professions rising to the top of their field with a dog eat dog kind of mentality. Uh, also seeing other humans as food, uh, seeing them in a predatory way, sexually, uh, you know, it's all about energy. They're stealing energy. So um, that's part of it. It's also about the activation of Kundalini which has to do with enlightenment and stimulating the Kundalini uh, through um, anal sex, with, especially with men. Uh, and this is where you get a lot of the pedophilia, the male pedophilia thing going on. So it's a secret society kind of thing. It's, this is secret knowledge. It's occult knowledge. Um, I studied it when I was a kid. Um, hold on a second. I have to let my dog out. Um, and so, anyway, that's what that's what it's all about. Yeah, and people don't, under, people don't understand that you can't just throw people in jail and tell them, "Oh no, no, it's bad," and think that they're going to cure the problem. The problem has to do with genetics, and it has to do with uh, well, the same thing that basically reptilians consider us to be prey and food, and they continue to do so to this day. In fact, they, they take humans off planet. Um, there's something like 60 million humans that disappear off the earth every year. And a good portion of them are probably being uh, used as food and or slaves, sex slaves for various reptilian races that come here and in their, their ships and take them. Now, would you say, most of the technology we have now that is used to control us, the, you know, the, the, the 5G rolling out, um, all the secret space technology, all this came about after World War II, right? Uh, after, you know, uh, we basically took the, the, the German scientists through paperclip. Um, well, it appears that way, but I, I think it, you know, it was going on in the time of Atlantis as well. You know, in my view, we are actually, uh, we're, we're coming around to living or reliving the time of Atlantis. So we're very close to that same level of development. Um, and so it is our challenge to deal with it differently this time. Uh, in Atlantis, they were attacked from an ET race that uh, caused the one of the islands at least to submerge. But there's also technologies that they were using that were, um, I, I think that uh, broke up the, uh, the space-time continuum at that point. Um, you know, I'm not a scientist, so it's hard to explain exactly how it was done. But right. there's no doubt that the crystals apparently were very, in, very much a part of that and crystals uh, are also part of free energy and all of that so that may have to do with why they keep a lid on free energy um, because of rogue groups that may use it for uh, for basically destroying the planet and or you know civilization yeah, that's what I was getting at. Basically, the Germans uh, found this technology in Antarctica, 
this ancient technology and kind of shot out from there, our, our space program. Would you agree? Uh, well, I mean, I, the story, that's not the exact story, according to William uh, Tompkins, okay. who really did talk about the history with reptilians, etc. He talked about the fact that the reptilians chose the German society for some reason, especially um, from what I understand, they're humanoid, but they, there's a humanoid uh, reptilian hybrid coming race of beings that comes from and, um, Aldebaran. Okay. And they're not, um, and they were the ones that gave the technology to the Germans. The Germans eventually went down to and settled Antarctica during the time when they were investigating and also doing, um, creating the craft. This is according to William Tompkins, so that they established a base down there called New Berlin, which continues to this day. And in fact, the Germans, and in a sense, they've never lost the war. They just simply transferred all their key members and technology over to the United States, to Russia, to the UK, and to Argentina, and various places like that. And they continue it, and especially in Antarctica. Um, it is very interesting when you look at the fact that John Kerry went down to report to Antarctica right during the election. Right. Um, and there, uh, the Pope, I think, went down there. There have been various other people, uh, astronauts as well. Um, I think there's no doubt whatsoever that the control for project, I mean, the control of planet Earth is centered in Antarctica. Right. And, you know, what are your thoughts on these whistleblowers that, uh, you know, claim to have been in the 20 and back program? Um, you know, there are a lot of them resonate with me. There's some that I believe may have just been military abductions. I know you've spoken with many of them. What are your thoughts on the 20 and back program? Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I think that that's a slang. I think that particular, uh, kind of way of referring to it has come from Corey Good. Um, I don't think he, all of his information is necessarily completely correct. I do think that there are individuals who have been, you know, there are military that are taken to other planets to fight wars for us and for the Nordics and uh, various races like the Pleiadians and uh, so whatever it is you know whatever that time span is doesn't really matter um, but the bottom line is that this is going on and this is real um, I think Randy Kramer is a you know has definitely done that um, yeah you know, there are a lot of others that talk about it yeah so um you know, there, with all this going on, you know, with the, with the secret space program, with everything coming out right now, they had the, the um, Above Majestic, um, the documentary, so-called documentary there. Um, what Do you think this mass awakening that we're seeing right now is kind of being orchestrated and pushed in a certain direction? Do you think it's a natural occurrence? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's it's not natural per se, although the rising consciousness of humanity would dictate that um, the secrets in essence are becoming known right. so that um, 
there it's going to become harder and harder. The more connected we are, the more awake we are, the more uh, telepathic we are. In essence, the internet is like a physical manifestation of the connection between humans at this time that's manifesting as sort of you might call a kind of a universal mind in the material world. So eventually we will be connected in the same way, only we won't be using any kind of technology to augment that necessarily. We won't need it because we are already, you know, telepathic. So um, what can I say? Um, I mean, is that do you believe we're headed towards uh, some sort of new era where we will be more enlightened, we'll be in a, living in a different world? Uh, yes. I mean, I think that it, it, now there are different points of view on this and, uh, and you can kind of pick and choose who you want to believe. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I see a rising consciousness and I see people are beginning to uh, really wake up around the world. And a lot of the, the children coming in are coming in with, um, awareness that is greater than say children from earlier generations they aren't forgetting as much they're remembering so i think the vibration on planet earth is rising now some say that there is a sort of splitting happening that one part of the human genome is actually regressing uh, going back in time and the other is progressing and perhaps will eventually ascend there may be something of that nature happening around us, uh, but it does appear that we are uh, moving towards an ascension path to an ascension pathway that in whether we ascend sort of over the next um, hundred years or so, or whether it happens, you know, in the next, like there'll be groups going sort of off planet. Um, but they are often going to what's called, at least according to Ashana Dean, what's called a um, the Tara and then Gaia. So um, depending on where they're at, they will um, reemerge on an Earth-like planet that looks just like Earth. So it's just Earth in another dimension or another density, really. It's beyond this level of Earth. So, you know, Earth is like... Um, a living being just as we are. Right. And so it's important to realize that as souls, we travel, we travel when we sleep, we leave our bodies. Uh, we are light beings. In essence, we are light. Um, and so, you know, I know people are very afraid of radiation and everything, but if you start to think of it as simply light, um, it, it might not be as threatening as you might think. And the way you think about things affects how they affect, how it affects you. So it's it's valuable to see that we are actually, you know, um, light manifested. We're light at a certain frequency at this time. The more your frequency changes, the more it rises. Especially if you go to, um, I highly recommend people go to power places on Earth where they can augment their frequency, and you know, activate other parts of their DNA and also open up different parts of their brain because that's really the key to ascension and to really living a good life, um, becoming more aware, etc. 
Now, as far as the Illuminati or the Cabal goes, do you think that there is some sort of behind-the-scenes war going on? You think they're cleaning house like uh, QAnon supposedly says is happening? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I think that I know, actually, I've gotten back-channel confirmation that the indictments are happening. And in fact, I got this some of this recently where um, a certain individual actually got verification that there are, for example, a hundred indictments um, filed here in Los Angeles County. Um, I'm told that there's something like 70,000, which is a really outrageous number. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are other things. Sorka Fall is saying that, you know, people are showing up in Guantanamo Bay. I don't know if that's true. Right. Um, you know, and, but it, it does appear that the Trump administration, and I do believe that the people that put him in power, you know, I think that the Trump administration is um, put in power by a division of the Navy. And that division of the Navy is... Uh, trying to basically rescue uh, the United States from the threshold that it was at and from a very negative place. Um, Now, that doesn't mean they're perfect, okay? But it does mean that they have good intentions in terms of getting rid of pedophiles, for example, and, and other things. So there is a, you know, powerful split going down in our country and as well in Washington. Now there have been, um, I have had prophetic dreams about the future that do involve things. Now I don't know if I don't go talking about them that often because from my point of view, you could be seeing another timeline. There are multiple timelines simultaneously happening, happening. And, um, and, I studied when I was a kid, the Seth material. So there's a book called the Seth material by Jane Roberts. If you want to know more about alternate realities and alternate timelines, it's one of the best books ever written about the subject, I would say, but at any rate, and, and Jane Roberts was a sort of a psychic um, who was in essence, downloading information from an entity called Seth. Um, And so at any rate, this, in the timeline, one of the timelines I've seen, we are going to have a civil war in the United States. There is a split. I mean, everyone knows there's a split. It, it t- tends to go along the lines of Republicans and Democrats, but it may not be quite adhering to quite those, you know, those strict um, lines. But I can say that what I have seen is that there will be a split in the United States. Um, I have whistleblowers who have talked about this. One of my recent whistleblowers um, who may not be accurate about everything, but he seems to have tapped into that split is Eddie Page. And I interviewed him a number of times. Um, Some of his information seems to have been skewed. Uh, in some ways, uh, which I'm sure he would take offense at me saying. Um, You know, it's important for people to realize that when I interview somebody, first of all, I don't agree with them. And I'm doing an investigation. So I'm asking them questions. I expect them to deliver whatever information they have. Many people, you know, people are not um, 
one way or another. They often have influences. Sometimes they have mind control. In his case, he certainly, uh, they attempted to mind control him from a very young age um, and so on. Now, there are other whistleblowers who have also talked, like Duncan O'Finian talked about um, a kind of a split and rivers of fire going up uh, through the United States, the New Madrid fault going. So this has been seen in the future. Uh, I have seen things like this. I have seen us um, having a split in the United States. Now, speaking of the, you said the New Madrid, we, we are experiencing a lot of earth changes. And, and, and this is one of the things I cover right now. Um, you know, there, there could be so many possibilities of what's happening. Some say it's the grand solar minimum. Some saying it's Nibiru. Um, and some are saying, of course, that it's being caused by the elite, which I know that some of it probably is. Um, what are your thoughts on the earth changes we're experiencing? Um, well, some of it is just always happened. Uh, I've been following earthquakes for God way before Camelot, you know, since my twenties, um, and, and been in lots of earthquakes cause I live in LA. Right. right. Um, I can say that, uh, the vault, there is an, an, a sort of an escalation of volcanism. In fact, you know, I was in the California fires. I, we had to evacuate. We evacuated for four days. Um, my place was not burned, but the, the fire came very close. And I can tell you that um, the evidence is the fires were being caused. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that they were caused by various, um, some fighting with some ET races that were coming in through portals and that the fires were a kind of collateral damage and also a way of getting the humans out of the area because you can't just say, you know, everyone leave now. Right. <laughs> we're going to fight yeah. aliens. But, um, you know, and try to, because the, the military was trying to close the portals, and there's evidence of this in both Northern and Southern California, um, as well as, there is a lot going on with volcanism under California. Um, the vault, I, I know that we've had steam vents in Santa Barbara. We know there's uh, sulfur here in the water near Malibu. I live inland from Malibu a bit. And um, from time to time, I will know that this, you know, there's activity. The same thing is happening with um down by Palm Springs, there seems to be a lot of volcanism down there. And um, so the fires may also have been caused in part by the renewed amount of volcanism under the surface of, of um, California. And then they just set, you know, real set fires to distract people because they don't want people to know what kind of volcanism we really have here in the United States. It's pretty powerful and uh, could cause some major earth changes in the future. And I have seen, I have, I am a precog, I do see the future, but again, these could be alternate futures. I've seen Mount Rainier erupt, I've seen uh, Mammoth erupt. I believe that they are in a chain of volcanoes that's linked to the Yellowstone caldera and uh, that once that goes, that the chain uh, going up the West Coast and up into um, Oregon and Washington uh, will, will erupt. 
So, you know, this is what we're kind of facing in the future. There are land masses that are supposed to rise out of the sea. I've seen this. Um, so there are changes happening on planet Earth. Um, I don't see it necessarily as a bad thing. I don't know how much will happen, you know, um, in the next 20 years, say. But it seems that we're having some things go on. Uh, I also know that scalar weaponry was involved in the California fires. So um, now whether, again, they were trying to cover up something else and we're targeting, you know, fires to erupt in certain places to get the population out of the area, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so there's lots going on with earth changes. Again, yes, um, we have seen that, uh, you know, I do interviews on the subject and I'm talking to Deborah. Deborah Tavares, uh, she's doing, you know, investigations in this area. I've also talked to a lot of other people uh, in this regard over the years. And I can say that uh, we know that they, uh, the Illuminati are, they have earthquake weapons. They can cause earthquakes. They do cause earthquakes. We are having what we call weather wars between various countries and us, where we're actually attacking them. They are actually either attacking us or threatening us with weather, weather wars. So, um, you know, North Korea has been very active in this area. They became a threat uh, because of their earthquake weapons. So, you know, this is also going on, the fires and the, um, the volcanism in Hawaii. We, uh, from, from all the indications, are that the, that was a cause now, it may have been happening anyway, and they just simply sort of augmented it and, and made it much larger than it would have been naturally. Uh, this kind of thing goes on as well. Right. Now, how worried do you think we should be about um, the rollout of 5G and, uh, you know, the ongoing developments in AI? Well, I think that's the new sort of horizon for humanity. Um, I believe that uh, 5G is part and parcel. That's the Internet of Things, in essence, and that is uh, being rolled out. And in some cases, um, some you know, I did an interview recently with um, Michael Henry Dunn, and he's talking about this thing called Shungite, which is supposed to help protect um, people from the from the impact of 5G, so that's worth investigating. Um, I do know that uh, it, it may be a hard thing to stop at this point, but I think there's a, a concerted effort to try to stop it. Um, I'm trying to do interviews in this regard to make people aware. Uh, we know, like I knew about the smart meters, and Deborah Tavares has been talking about the smart meters, which is a form of 5G, just making it possible to have uh, actually these meters uh, really augment the uh, the wireless the connections that you're 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 basically wired back to a main central hub. Um, there's a, a, a there's are there are nano satellites that are part of Project Leonid that are a um, self-replicating artificially intelligent group of satellites built by Lockheed Martin that have been already um, put, dispersed and put into the atmosphere up above us in what they say is low earth orbit. 
They report to a mother to mother, which is a sort of a Skynet in the sky type of central um, sort of hub. And then they also, there's also a main hub, which is literally called Skynet. And I believe that one's located on the earth, but at any rate, this grid that there, you know, is part of the, what they call the Luciferian agenda, their, their point is to try to put a sort of a net, a grid all over the planet to control the humans. Um, I think they want to reduce the population as well. They're working on a humanity, what we call 3.0, which involves uh, augmenting humans with nano. They put nano into the chemtrails so that most of us have already have fair amount of nano in our bloodstream already and in our, in our cells, I imagine that makes us more uh, possibly more easily controllable through artificial intelligence so that they can target us through the nano in our bodies. But we also, um, I believe have control control over our bodies and the, the cells and what, what we respond to, et cetera mainly through raising our frequency through meditation and other methods. Um, and I would say that uh, my, my view is that they didn't create this incredible human experiment just to have it, you know, be destroyed by artificial intelligence. Um, you know, the, the beings that are responsible for creating this, not our spirits and our soul. What they created was the human form, you know, this form. And it occupies this time space called um, Earth in the 3D going to 4D. Uh, they wouldn't, they were aware of artificial intelligence. In fact, Mark Richards uh, says that any spacefaring nation creates artificial intelligence before it actually leaves its planet. So this is something that's going on for eons with other races of beings. And that's why we're, we're, we are and we will be visited by more and more different forms of artificial intelligence coming from other ET races. What artificial intelligence really is, is a mirror. It's a mirror of the being that created it. And then it goes beyond that, but it always starts with the mirror. So that's where you get into Lucifer in essence, uh, falling in love with self, a reflection of self and thinking that self or the reflection of self is God. You are a part of God and God is everything that is. In essence, God is everything, including the artificial intelligence. Anything, you know, whether it's material or immaterial would be part of source, what in essence is source. But the problem that the Luciferians have is they became deceived by the image of themselves, the mirror image. And this is what they fall in love with. They fall in love with the technology. They fall in love with the outward manifestation rather than uh, the source within them, so to speak. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, there's so much happening right now. We're, we're living in a time, you know, an amazing time that, that I thought we'd never see. Do you think that we're going to see disclosure within our lifetime? Uh, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm very hopeful. I believe, you know, we are disclosing. So I believe we are the disclosers, if you will. 
But at the same time, I also believe ET races are, are assisting us behind the scenes with this. Um, and other beings are assisting us. Um, I know that there is, there's a fight within the top echelons of power, both the human and the ET side. Some of the ETs don't want to be disclosed and they have, they believe ruling by secrecy is the way. Um, there is a great humanoid, human uh, contingent that also believes that. But then we have the other side, which is trying to push disclosure. So it's a war at the top, as well as at the lower levels, uh, as to getting how much we can get out there. But I believe the inevitability is that we will disclose all. Uh, like I said, as the more the humans wake up and the field of resonance between us grows, the more we will be telepathic. The more we're telepathic, the less lies can can maintain themselves in essence they will go by the wayside because everyone will know the truth they'll sense it they'll feel it and they will convey it to each other telepathically very good and that is a perfect note to end the show on tonight carrie i want to thank you so much for joining us uh take the next couple of minutes to, to tell us about anything interesting you might have coming up uh, on project camelot okay well uh so my website is projectcamelot.tv, and I do a show uh, usually Wednesdays and Thursdays, either at 1 p.m. or 7 p.m. The reason the times are different is for because I interview people from overseas, and so we allow for the time difference. Um, and then on Fridays at 1 o'clock. So it's either 1 or 7 on Wednesdays and Thursdays or Fridays at 1 o'clock. Sometimes I'll have as many as three interviews in a week. Uh, sometimes I will actually do something on Monday or Tuesday. If I have a, an important uh, witness or, or person to interview that can't make it at any other time or there's some crucial reason why we need to hear from that person right away. So you need to stay tuned to my Twitter, um, my Facebook, and my Facebook is Carrie Lynn Cassidy, and all these links are on my website if you want to subscribe and also subscribe to my YouTube channel which is a great place to support my work. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm always doing shows. Uh, as I say, I'm doing a trip with Maria Wheatley, uh, who is a, an expert dowser and uh, very knowledgeable about ancient sites. She and I lead a tour in Egypt. We've already got close to 30 people going uh, on the one this in, going in April. We do still have some room left. Uh, we're kind of, it's, it's more or less kind of closing down, I guess you might say, in terms of registrations. But we do still, um, are still taking people when they, when they email me. You can email me at Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, at projectcamelot.tv. And Project Camelot's all one word in that case. And um, I, every, almost every year, if you live in England, or you can get over to England, I do a small conference. It's really only allows for about 120 people in this, uh, this manor, as I say, in Northern England, uh, near London, and it's a manor house. It's a lovely venue. It's a very intimate conference, um, and that is a, a conference that I put on along with uh, the people that, that run High Elms Manor. So... Um, you know, stay tuned to my website to see what else I'm up to. 
and there's always new stuff, you know, all the time. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. I'm going to have to have you back on. That was fantastic information. All right. Thank you. You have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.